Bishop Tom Daly from the Diocese of Spokane here in Eastern Washington, and this is the Bishop and the Vicars. Uh, joining me, as usual, are Father Darren Connell, Vicar General and Rector of Our Lady Lord's Cathedral. It's good to be back, everyone, after an extended time of not being able to participate in the Bishop and the Vicars. You were exactly. go gone? You were, I, but I you were banned. not. You were gone, but banned. not missed. No, no. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thanks so much. Okay. Well, we'll get back to that when we have a show on accompaniment. Um, <laughs> Father Pat Curse, the pastor of St. Thomas More and Vicar for Priests, and Father Brian Mee, pastor of St. Augustine's and the Vicar for Finance. Timely topic is the whole concept of the synod. As you know, in Rome at this time, there is the synod on youth and vocation discernment. And uh, a lot of people maybe are unsure of Synod. Um, they might think that it's uh, just a gathering, a select group, a few of bishops. So maybe a little historical perspective um, for the difference between a council, if there is, and a Synod. We know that blessed now St. Paul VI uh, wrote something extensively in 1965 about the Synod, which guided the church. He sought uh, the opportunity for the bishops of the world to come together of uh, various parts and provide information and advice to help the Pope make decisions. Uh, St. Paul VI said, the apostolic concern leading us to carefully survey the signs of the times and to make every effort to adapt the means and methods of the Holy Apostolate to the changing circumstances and the need of our day impels us to establish ever closer ties with the bishops in order to strengthen our union with them whom the Holy Spirit has placed to rule the Church of God. Again, that was the context, and uh, when we, a synod occurs, synod of the bishops, it's a permanent council, there's a general secretary, um, but maybe some historical perspective on this gathering. Father me, I know you were at the Council of Ephesus, and then... Uh, <laughs> as an observer. As an observer. Ecumenical observer. When you left Antioch. Well, if I recall, the Council of Ephesus was until 521 or something. Or 421, I think it was. But anyway, no, I, was, I recall the Synod of Antioch back in the 3rd century, mm -hmm. as a matter of fact. But no, first of all, Synod and Council, at least originally, there wasn't any or much of a difference between the two, except Synod came from the Greek and Council came from the Latin, and both of, it, both of them basically meant to be called together. Um, so called together, so the Synod, the early Synods again, were a couple Synods in Antioch, Elvira, uh, councils, but but in time, the two words, even though synonymous, originally began to take on different meaning, while council or synod seemed to be more regional to more particular issues, while a council would be more general. And ecumenical councils, of course, which we're familiar with, the last being Vatican II, is a council that includes the entire church. So I suppose, uh, not again in their original meaning, but the real sense today is a synod is something more local, a more particular to a particular topic, such as the Synod in Rome right now, and a council is more general, dealing with more general issues as well. And I think that uh, when we were uh, at the break or off mic, I mentioned that it seems to me that for people to, uh, uh, average Catholic and pews to understand what a Synod is, it, it would be a Synod would be to the Pope <clears throat> what the parish council would be uh, for the pastor. So, um, And there also could be a Synod on a diocesan level, so using that same metaphor, if you will, or analogy, it would, the diocesan synod would be to the bishop as a pastoral council is to What a great them. idea. Uh, yeah. Uh, Excellent. And I think we should have one of those. When was the last diocesan synod? Oh, here? it's time it, to it, have one. I think it was right after Ephesus. Oh, yeah, exactly. soon after, yes. yes. You know, well, synods, probably like councils for a long while, of course, 
between the Council of Trent in 1555 or so and Vatican I in the 1870s, uh, there were none because uh, councils weren't something that were popular to be called, at least by the head honcho or by the pope, because you bring all these people together, and I suppose this could be analogous to a synod being called by a, a bishop. Um, you never know actually what's going to come from it. Mm -hmm. So synods and councils have always been with some trepidation. Now, of course, I changed with um, Paul VI, where he called after, as you mentioned, Bishop, uh, after Vatican II, or at the end of it in 1965, for synods that would deal with particular issues in the church, and they would be ongoing. Didn't you have a little bit of trivia about diocesan synods, Father Kirst? Um, I, did I? Rules or... Rules yeah, you, you oh, yeah. Yes, yes. earlier you had I, a, I did come across something. I was. Mm -hmm. I Why don't you share that with our listening audience? Was so, that the Council of Baltimore, or...? No, we're talking about synods. This is, this is mm -hmm. our... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I've heard that before, people say synods. Synods, synopsis. No. No, should a bishop in a diocese uh, choose to pull together a synod, pulling people from around the diocese, there are a few principles that apply and rules that apply in terms of uh, carrying this out. One that uh, caught my eye was that the bishop has power to punish with censors all those legitimately summoned who fail to attend. Wow, a lot so, of our priests would be in trouble. Yes. Well, what does it mean to be legitimately summoned? Mm -hmm. Spare the, the rod, you, spoil the child was one of your favorite passages. <laughs> you get an email with a Google invite or something like ah. that. But, and the bishop may not force his clergy to buy printed copies of the diocesan statutes. Oh, thank God. Oh, just have electronic mm. copies. Yeah. So, but, but they've got our automatic withdrawal number, so I guess that is you're going to pay whether you want to or not. That is true. Well, how do you get uh, name to the Senate? I know Mrs. Gina Vanelli from Indicott, Washington, has written me again wanting to know uh, why... Um, a bishop from the Northwest wasn't selected. I couldn't answer her. <laughs> Any but, particular um, bishop? Well, no, I think she was concerned because right now she's she's living in um, Chickasaw Falls, which is a small development just over the Oregon border. So it wasn't within our diocese. But um, I know that Archbishop Gomez from Los Angeles is Well, on I thought team. all the bishops uh, elected. I thought you elected these. We did, these and then matters. there's some who were appointed, and then there were mm -hmm. alternates. Uh, Cardinal DiNardo mm -hmm. from Galveston, Houston. Uh, Archbishop Chapu from Philadelphia, who was in our diocese visiting and gave a great presentation. Um, your good friend Bishop Caggiano from oh, yeah. uh, Bridgeport. Uh, bishop Barron, Auxiliary Bishop uh, of Los Angeles uh, for the Santa Barbara region. Uh, he's also there. And a bishop from the um, the Pittsburgh uh, area, the Archbishop, one of the... Um, Eastern. Eastern. Eastern, right. Eastern, yeah. So it would be kind of like but, in the Democrats' uh, convention, you have delegates and superdelegates. So those who are selected or elected and those who are chosen. Mm -hmm. and like your good friend Sam Irvin. Uh, but what? what uh, but we also know there are others who were appointed. Um, uh, Cardinal Supich uh, was was appointed. Is there anyone else uh, with Carvel to Cardinal Tobin, but wasn't able to make it? Um, Cardinal Worrell, was he? Yes, he was. I think. Yeah, he, uh, but, but he's he's, he's not able to there. make it. Um, so there's generally there's there are those who are elected and those that the, the Holy Father selects. It's he who convokes the synod, ratifies the election of members, and designates any other members, determines the topics for discussion, sets the agenda, presides over the synod, and concludes, transfers, suspends, and dissolves 
the synod. That's Canon Law 344, that degree that Father Kirst has been working on for the last 17 years. Um, <laughs> He's got that one more paper to write. <laughs> um, what do we, okay, the Synod on young people, what are you hearing? Your pastors of parishes, hopefully working, uh, what, do you, what are you hearing from, from your young people? Your young people who go to Mass and maybe young people whose friends aren't exactly engaged oh, in the life of the church. That's a very good question. I have not heard a single word from a single young person about the Synod. Nor I. Well, you were in the Bahamas <laughs> for the last three months. <laughs> there's, there's young people there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is a good point. I must say I've not heard uh, a word about the Synod from not only young people, but people in the parish, which might say something about how synods are communicated. Well, how has it hit the secular media? I haven't paid any attention. Is Does it get any play at all in the... In Peoria, uh, is a it, little uh, bit. Not unless Trump is going to show up for it. Well, <laughs> then there will be some news. I there guess was, as as we know, a lot of our church life gets a lot of play in the in the secular media, mm -hmm. and usually not in a positive uh, light. But this is something that you know can be very positive and may not be all that attractive to the media world. Why I would let me be the devil's advocate. Why you're good uh, at that. <laughs> That's why we be. call you Biazable. <laughs> what 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 what's so good about this? What, why is it? You say well, it's well, a I popular think popular. I always think it's good or, to gather together people as church and and sh share witnesses well, to faith and, well, and you know, you, I, but, I, but I mean this as far as the topic goes, young people. I, well, maybe well, some of the questions might be helpful that, you know, there are there is a great need to find out what are people, especially those who might be not specifically engaged, but some of the questions being asked that were sent our people listening audience might have heard. Uh, in what manner does the church listen to the lived situation of young people? Uh, what are the most, the main challenges and significant opportunities for young people in your country? Um, other issues about vocational discernment. Well, all of us are involved in that. I mean, uh, working with young people, encouraging them. But there were specific questions, and I was reading this before we began, the, asking the people of Africa questions such as, what does spiritual fatherhood mean in places where a person grows without a father figure? What formation is offered? Of course, that would speak to the church in the United States. But here's some interesting questions. For America. Now, these came from us, from the Holy See. Is, it, is this from the Instrumentum Laboris that was sent it out is, in advance? right okay. before the Pranzo. Uh, how does your <laughs> community care for young people who experience extreme violence, guerrilla warfare, gangs, prison, drug addictions, forced marriages? That's for, for the United that's States? That's for, for America. 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 Okay, America. So, America. so that would be Latin America I, that, South America. Be, oh, okay. Because yes. I don't think we have guerrilla warfare America. in the I boundaries of Our Lady of Lords, or certainly in no, St. Augustine's Parish. No, the, they have, their shrubs are Not too today. manicured. And, <laughs> no, 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 there no, was no, a drive-by no. slapping in the South Hill two days ago. Um, <laughs> what formation is offered to support the engagement of young people in society and civil life? Uh, in a world which is greatly secularized, what pastoral activities are most effective for continuing the journey to faith after the sacraments of Christian initiation? Well, that's a question that as the bishop I've asked many times. What do we have for our young people, uh, it, with our, depending upon the age that they're confirmed? In Europe, which would include uh, Father uh, Connell's favorite country, Belgium, but not the Belgium Congo, what assistance is offered to young people to look to the future with confidence and love and hope, beginning with the richness of the Christian roots of Europe. Now, that was a favorite of Pope Benedict, a topic as he chose the name Benedict. Wasn't that, yeah, the, Father uh, uh, Me? When Pope Benedict, Joseph Ratzinger, was elected, he chose Benedict specifically because 
of his concern for the return of Europe to its Christian roots. Yes, as some might think, he did not take the name because of Benedict Arnold or anything like that. No. No. But he did for his love of um, Benedictinism, the mm-hmm. Benedictines, and for uh, Benedict is a patriarch of, or patriarch, he's the um, patron saint of Europe. So, hmm. well, our young people, how is the language used in young people's world incorporated in the pastoral care of young people, especially in media, sports, and music? That was for Asia and Oceania. One of the things. Now I know this is a big topic, but it, why do we do we specialize in well? How are we um, addressing old people or young people? You see, it goes back to identity politics for me. Hmm. I mean, it seems like we're always doing something for some group. And I thought the church was supposed to be about unity, one communion, one baptism, one That's faith, a great question. Altar. And we're going we're gonna to take a break now. said that his concern that when we start separating the communities of our faith and taking from the unity, we get into identity politics. And that might be one way to look at uh, having an individual synod on young people. But the reality is parents, I think, and all the vicars would agree, as well as our people in our parishes, many times uh, grandparents or parents will come up and say, you know, I'm very concerned. I, uh, we made sacrifices. We had our sons and daughters go to Catholic schools, and now they don't practice their faith. I hear that, and I'm sure our listening audience has heard that, you know, and maybe you experience your own life. You modeled the faith, you tried your best, and there is, seems to be a rejection. Why is that? Why are young people uh, in ever-increasing numbers deciding to maybe redefine what it means to be a Catholic. Like Father uh, Kirsch was talking about, someone may say, I'm a practicing Catholic, but they define it in a different way. Pat, what have you heard? Is right, and, and that whole reality of uh, a certain generation perhaps being less uh, practicing in general than generations before, uh, that's been researched much and, and studied much and everybody's got percentages and this group that calls themselves the nuns, N-O-N-E-S, that have just rejected religion altogether. But I, I think a lot of grandparents, parents that are experience a certain angst from the, the not practicing Catholic faith as, as they did, um, though they would not say that their children have denied the faith. They, if you ask them, they are Catholic. Uh, but that does not necessarily translate into I participate in Mass every week, I uh, come to adult faith formation sessions, I come to the parish picnic. Uh, it, it takes a Get different to the shape. annual Catholic appeal. Yeah, and, and I don't want to deny the, the reality that there are many, many young people who still embrace that, that practice of the faith, of regular Mass attendance and participation in the rest of the life of the Church, and that's a, a wonderful thing and an uplifting thing. There is that segment that identifies themselves as Catholic and how that's practiced in, in the home. I guess I don't know. I don't have contact with those people. But it, it, it might also be something of approaching the church when there's a particular need that they think is important. They have a child that needs to be baptized, um, and which that, that opens the door. It opens the door for another, a reconnection with the life of a parish. And, and, and perhaps it just means more... Uh, 
this is how I'm going to look upon the world. From a, a Catholic viewpoint, I will embrace the principles of the Catholic faith and, and uh, the ethical standards that we have and we'll live those out. So it, it may be lived very richly and fruitfully in a, in a moral sense, but not in a sacramental or, or liturgical sense. One of the great lines from uh, Henry Newman, uh, Cardinal Newman, was, we, believe, we can believe what we choose. We are answerable for what we choose to believe. Um, in our lives of our young people, in, in middle-aged people uh, who are just trying to uh, live their lives. I, I was at a anniversary, a 50th anniversary of Sister Margaret Ann Quinn in Philadelphia recently, an Immaculate Heart of Mary sister, and two of the sisters who were involved in ministry. One had been a school administrator, and now she's working in a parish in uh, DRE at, in um, suburban New Jersey, and the other one continues in an inner city first grade, and she's talking about the experience of these young people, and these sisters would be now in probably 70. They entered, they professed in 1968, a time of great upheaval, and I asked them about what are they, what are they seeing there in the Northeast in these communities, ethnic communities, uh, immigrant communities, established long-time European of background Catholics, and it's, it's the same thing of uh, of a secularism, of a, the priorities shifting in the lives of our people Suddenly, we've talked about this many times, a family um, with parishes that are five masses on a weekend, allowing for flexibility from Saturday night to Sunday night, and yet uh, there's the decision that the child has a hockey game or a soccer game, and uh, that takes priority, and then the mass isn't, isn't a part of it. Now, that's one aspect, the liturgical worship, our life, uh, but are young people in this... this um, is there, is there a malaise there? Is is you know the young people you know? As Father Connell said, some of our younger people who have returned to the faith in spite of what they perceived as a as perhaps a mediocre expression growing up. What 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 have you heard in that, uh, Father Connell? Well, I, um, you know, it seems to me that that some of this is cyclic, cyclical. So you have an eighty year old couple, you know, in my parish whose children uh, have fallen away from the practice of the faith. But the the grandchildren are now you know in their early twenties and thirties, and they've they've decided to embrace the faith in which their parents kind of rejected, but their grandparents uh, accepted. So you have it, it's kind of a, a cyclical in terms of uh, generations. So, so you have, uh, and I think you know we're talking about the center on the youth. So much of this depends on parents and and the quality of family life and uh, and how parents pass on that faith. Uh, not so much what they say, but but what they do and the priorities priorities that they offer for their families. I also have some, you know, young people in my parish in their twenties who um, are kind of are connecting with the faith all on their own. There's no one else in their family who's practicing Catholic. Parents aren't practicing Catholic, but there's something that they find you know deeply fulfilling in the life of the church, and they're really inspiring in terms of their their commitment. And and amidst some some level of persecution in their in their own families to be able to do that. I wonder if um, the synod on youth shouldn't be the synod uh, on parents, because I think that's where mm. uh, Father Connell mentioned that as far as, well, a lot of it is the role of the parents and how, how they um, you know, present or uh, educate their children or nurture the faith uh, in their children. And is that being done? See, so when all of a sudden you mentioned Bishop, well, we've all heard excuses. Johnny had a soccer game or there was something else that they needed to go to. Well, you're the parent. 
so why didn't you tell Johnny, um, sorry, it's mass time? But in other words, I, I think a lot of um, why the faith isn't being passed on to the youth is because parents haven't taken their role as the first teachers of the faith, which is the very thing they commit themselves to when their children are baptized. So what you, a, that's a very good you, point. Well, we might have to have our own. Um, maybe we could have a Northwest Synod. Uh, held um, in Yakima at the convention center. No, that's where you and Father Chris were going to see with Bishop Tyson, Barry oh, Manilow. Okay. But uh, yeah, evidently the ticket sold out, so you can sell your tickets online. No, maybe we would do it in in Endicott. I we mean, could. yeah, but the fairgrounds, the fairgrounds, the fairgrounds, yeah, fairgrounds, it's very popular. Um, the concept of vocation is entered into this uh, the synod and. Um, Obviously, as, as the diocese of Spokane, we are concerned about the vocation of marriage, including parenthood that Father Me brought up, but also... I brought it up first. Thank you. Okay. And um, <laughs> It just didn't leave much of an impression yes. when you brought it up. Well, we can talk about your work in vocation. That's, in, that's for our um, rerun episode uh, on uh, vocations. But Not during Sweeps Week. No, that's February. We're I never invited to stop, talk during Sweeps Week. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, that's when we... Well, we'll talk about that later. Uh, in any case, no. In all seriousness, this this in, the Senate is looking at vocation and um, finding ways that our young people can l- respond to God's call. The uh, scriptures are full of young people receiving a call and making a response, and I think the Senate wants to look at that. But we, as the local church here in the diocese of Spokane. Um, find we believe that the Holy Spirit is, is very present in our diocese and guiding our young people. And so I think we share that with all people uh, of the diocese of all ages. But the trends seem to be with what's going on recently in the church. We, is it, it's too early to see if the latest kind of uh, rediscovery of scandal uh, will affect our young people's ability to say yes. It's one thing to be called, but the response is crucial. Oh, and to that point, um, the document or the uh, the synod holds up uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary as the or they're they're entrusting the, the this synodal process uh, to Mary, and using her as an example or a model for vocational discernment as someone who who uh, listened to God's will for her life and and despite you know difficulty in understanding that mysterious will accepted it. Um, uh, w- with courage and and humility, and as I was reflecting on that, I was thinking about our own school of Catalbo Catholic School, and I thought about maybe asking the the junior high kids sometime to write down what what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to be in twenty years? And they'd be able to write uh, eloquently on that, and then ask the question, what what does God want you to be in twenty years? Where does God want you to be in twenty years? And I'd be very interested to see how how those two differ, because it seems to me the Senate is asking people to. Uh, model their lives on Mary, who didn't say, this is what I want to be in 20 years, but God, what is it? what is your will for my life, and give me the strength to follow it? Suppose you took some of the questions that are being proposed, and you had your own synod at, for example, St. Thomas More School or Cataldo. Might that be something I would mandate uh, as the bishop on a local yeah. level? And, if, and for failure to be present? What would the censure be if we didn't show up? Or you'd be loaned out to one of the other dioceses. I'd drive an American car. No, a, a RAV4 with all the wheels falling off. Um, what would be the questions? 
we might ask the questions of our young people. What, do, what would you like to ask of Holy Mother Church? What would you like to ask God? What would you ask Mary? What would you ask the greatest saint of, of uh, the last 500 years? No, Ignatius, well, uh, Ignatius of Loyola? Ignatius. No, Vincent de Paul, <laughs> Thomas More, John Baptist de La Salle. St. Elizabeth Ann Okay, Seton. I got the point. I served her canonization. I served her canonization. You knew Elizabeth Ann Seton's uh, we, I was nephew. In first grade. Yes, Louis, Seton. Louis Seton. Seton. Yeah, yes. he played second base yeah. for the Phillies, I think. Did you know that? No, no one does. Uh, okay. No one does. <laughs> well, that's okay. Uh, Father Moving, me moving was on. Monopoly champion. Um, so we have this Senate, the gathering, it's a time for prayer. But on the local level, since none of us were invited to the Synod, and uh, we have kept <laughs> like it in, in prayer, um, it is a time for us, I believe, to reflect on the experiences of our families. And, and uh, we're right about that, because the families, it's not just the young people who struggle with their faith. It would be parents and even grandparents, uh, at times discouraged by what's going on. In the... In the the time we have before the the next break, I, I just want to kind of we can wring our hands about young people, and I think we do that pretty well in, in the life of the church. But there's a lot going on in the United States, and um, I think it's very positive. As you know, I just came back from a pilgrimage to Lourdes and was in Bordeaux, and I was shocked at the the, the lack of of participation in the life of the faith in, in Bordeaux. Bordeaux has a, a cathedral, one mass on Sunday. That's it. A million people in the, in the surrounding area, one mass on Sunday, and I was one of the youngest people of about 200 in the Basilica. And I compare that to our own local church and what's going on kind of all across in pockets of the United States. And yes, we have our challenges and we have our difficulties with young people and families, but I think we have a lot also to, to celebrate and bring to the table. Yes, but I want to wring my hands about parents. I think, uh, again, that's what needs to be addressed. <laughs> mm -hmm. Leave it with that. Okay. Always throwing the wet blanket on. And Father Kirst, anything you'd like to say? Well, I just was thinking back, we mentioned family, and remember the last synod that happened was on the family. And there was a real grassroots thing where in parishes we were invited to bring people together and provide input that went funneled through the bishop and got to the Pope. So it's great that we get to have our voice heard. Well, thank you and God bless, and let's keep our sin in our prayers.